Welcome to the Together for Good podcast brought to you by Bethany Lutheran Church in Cherry Hills Village, Colorado. Our episode today, I'll be leading you through a Bible study. This is part two of our four-week Advent series. Week two of Advent, as you'll find out, is the week of peace. So we're going to study a particular fun passage from the Old Testament that fills us with hope and peace. That's enough that I've got to say now. I've got a lot more to tell you about Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. Here we go, our week two study of, for Advent on peace. All right, friends, let's study some Bible, shall we? This is week two of our Advent series. As we light the second Advent candle this coming Sunday, we begin a study of peace. That's typically the theme associated with week two of Advent, peace. And so the passage that I've chosen for our examination of this very important theme in our life of faith is from the Old Testament. It's from the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 14. I, we're doing this whole Voices of the Prophets theme uh, in church on Sunday mornings. Ezekiel is one that we don't get to this year. That's all right. Um, and Ezekiel is a funky book. Um, if you ever uh, want some crazy reading, go ahead and give Ezekiel a try. But I want to give you a little background. All right. So the prophet Ezekiel was raised in a priestly family in Jerusalem, and he was educated to become a priest himself. However, he was taken with other high-ranking Judeans. Um, he was taken captive during the first siege of Jerusalem in 597 BCE by King Nebuchadnezzar II, who was the ruler of Babylon. So one of the things that I often tell people is that, right, if I'm leading a children's sermon and I ask an open-ended question, most of the children know oh, the answer is Jesus or God or faith, right? Like there's pretty usually an easy answer to almost any question I ask during a children's sermon. Well, it's the same way with the Old Testament. Stay with me now. If you're ever wondering about when something is taking place or why something was written and it's from the Old Testament, nine times out of 10, the answer is that it happened during the Babylonian exile. <laughs> That's right. The Babylonian exile was this incredible world-shaking event that took place within the house of Israel, shall we say. And it's this time when Babylon, this huge superpower of the day, came in, destroyed Jerusalem, and then took people captive like Ezekiel and other high-ranking Judeans and took them out of their homeland and made them live in exile. And it was just this overwhelming moment um, for the Israelite people because they couldn't worship God properly. Right? Part of their religious practice at that time really required them to do festivals in Jerusalem. But with Jerusalem destroyed and them living in a foreign land, it greatly limited their ability to practice their faith. In a lot of ways, the time in Babylon was very like almost a callback to when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Their life was not their own. They were ruled by a powerful, um, evil being that was not letting them live the life the way they wanted to. You get the idea. So that's part of the context of the book of Ezekiel. And like I was saying before, it's often the context for a lot of these Old Testament prophets. They often are trying to write to the Israelite people 
or bring prophecy while they find themselves in exile. And so Ezekiel went into a, a, you know, a really difficult time and he ended up working in a small village, um, Tel Abib, it says. Ugh, I can't say that. <laughs> and, and somewhere in his 30th year in exile, Ezekiel received a powerful vision from the Lord and a call to be a prophet. And so the book takes place during this very difficult time, as I mentioned in Israel's history, between this first exile and then the final fall of Jerusalem. So the Nebuchadnezzar II came in and laid this first siege on Jerusalem. There was another one that took place in 586. And so Ezekiel's time as prophet kind of falls in the in-between times. Things are still bad. Unfortunately, they're going to get worse. Um, But that's the context of Ezekiel. And that's why we're studying this for the Sunday of Peace. (laughs) Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense now, does it? Um, But Ezekiel's prophecy does bring a peaceful message and a hopeful message, believe it or not, even though um, the Israelites are certainly not out of the woods yet. So this is Ezekiel chapter 37. And just like on the last podcast, if you happen to listen to it, I'm just going to kind of go verse by verse and give you some uh, commentary as we make our way through. Oh, and of course I lose my page just as I'm getting ready. So Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's start off. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. So this type, this term, the hand of the Lord, this introduction means that Ezekiel is having a vision. That's kind of the way he talks about it in this book. And this is not something that happened. It, it's a vision that God is giving to the prophet for the sake of the people of Israel. It's not just for Ezekiel himself. It's something that Ezekiel is supposed to pass on. That's kind of how all those words work together there. Moving on to verse 2. God led me all around the the valley full of bones, and there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. So Ezekiel gets to see all the bones, and and the very dry comment indicates that they've been dead for a long time. It's likely that Ezekiel or others in Israel would have actually seen such valleys in real life. Again, this is a vision that Ezekiel is having, but it's not something that is foreign to him or the other Israelites. There's documentation that suggests that some of Assyria's kings and leaders and warriors would often fill up valleys with corpses almost as a sign and a way to thumb their nose at the people that they had conquered. And so also I should mention at this time, there was a lament in Israel. It said, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. So there's a lot of little pieces that suggest that a vision of dry bones would be something that resonated with the Israelite people, something that they would have known and understood and seen before in their life. And so it would have had a really emotional response to hearing that this is part of Ezekiel's vision, part of the message that Ezekiel is receiving from God. Verse three now, God said to me, mortal, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. 
So God asks a question of Ezekiel. And we don't really know what Ezekiel's response is. He just says, oh God, you know. What is that communicating? Is Ezekiel sarcastic here? Is he hesitant? Is he resigned? However absurd it might be, Ezekiel isn't ruling out the possibility. A common theme of this particular book is that nothing lies beyond the power of God. So while Ezekiel isn't confident that these dry bones can live, Ezekiel also isn't necessarily counting it out. (laughs) Oh Lord, you know. Let's read verse 4 now. Then God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Notice the process here. Ezekiel has to prophesy to the bones. They have to hear the word of the Lord in order to live. This is part of the message that God's trying to communicate. We continue. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. The word for breath here could also be spirit. It's a Hebrew word. My Hebrew is terrible, so I'm not going to thrust that upon you. But the word here could be breath or spirit. And it's the same exact word that's used in Genesis when God breathes into the hunk of clay that becomes Adam. The breath of life, the spirit of life, that's what is going to animate these bones just as it animated Adam in the very beginning. And keep in mind, for the Israelite people, the creation story from Genesis is likely one that they had heard before. That would have been a part of their readings and their religious life at this point in time. And so to hear about breath going into the dry bones, they likely would have known to make that connection between God creating in the beginning and now God recreating from out of a valley of dry bones. Now we go to verse 6. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Notice the phrase that's repeated here. I will put breath in you and you shall live. In Hebrew literature, there's something called the chiastic form. And the idea being that the meaning of the passage is found in the middle. This verse right here is the middle of the dry bones story from Ezekiel. And it includes the overall theme of the passage. I shall put my breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. That's what this passage is about. We know God by the ways God brings life to hopeless situations. And so that happens right here sandwiched in the middle. Sometimes if you look at the way that Jesus told his parables, they're often in these sequences. But if you look at it for this chiastic form, oftentimes the middle parable is the one that's really getting at the main point that kind of brings clarity to the other parables around it. And again, with this passage, that's what's happening here. With this vision from Ezekiel, that's what's happening here, is that the main point is that God can bring life to a hopeless situation. Now it's going to get a little freaky, all right? This is actually a story that churches read on Halloween. Some churches have like a a Halloween liturgy. And they like to read the dry bones passage. And and this is why. You ready for this? We're about to get into some some zombie stuff. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling. And the bones came together. 
bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. So what's happening first is that the decomposing process is reversing. Rather than the bones and the sinews falling apart, they're being pulled together. But Ezekiel says, but there's still no breath. God's larger purpose is not yet complete. They must have the breath of God within them so that they can acknowledge who God is. Okay, remember this point. This is a really important little piece to the puzzle that we're going to need to come back to. But for now, we're moving on to verse 9. And then God said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as God commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood there on their feet, a vast multitude. This is the first point where we get clear evidence that these people, these bones, are actually men who have been slain. This is a story of resurrection. This vast army is coming back to life by the power of the spirit and the breath. And notice that that is the key element to it all. We have to have the breath and the life of God within us. This is part of what Ezekiel wants the people of Israel to see and to understand. Part of the reason that they ended up in exile in Babylon is because they forgot this key point. They weren't living as if the breath of God or the spirit of God was was within them. They were making choices that were disobedient to the law. They were living their life out of rhythm from what God hopes for them. And that's how they got into this mess. The breath of God must be within us in real ways. As close as the next breath we take, the spirit of God has to dwell within our being. That's what Ezekiel's getting at. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself though. Let's move on to verse 11. And then God said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. God tells Ezekiel what the vision means here. All these bones, this is the house of Israel. And right now, as the house of Israel is sitting in exile, it seems as if they've lost all hope. They're dry bones. They're dried up completely. Our hope is lost. Things are hopeless, it seems, but God can still make those dry bones live. The house of Israel can be restored. So, moving on to 12 and 13. Therefore, Ezekiel prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. The message Ezekiel has to bring is one of incredible hope. Israel will be restored. Remember the desperate and difficult situation that they find themselves in at this particular moment. Jerusalem's been laid siege to, they're living in exile, they're cut off, everything seems hopeless, they're like dry bones, it seems as if all has been lost, but God can bring them up and bring them back. And these phrases, bring up and bring back, this is actually the language of Exodus. When Moses 
led the Israelites out of Egypt, he led them north towards the promised land. He brought them up out of Egypt. And so these particular phrases in Ezekiel's statement, bring up and bring back, this is the language of Exodus that, again, the Israelite people would have known in their very dry bones. <laughs> they, they would have recognized that particular phraseology and immediately begun to draw upon the stories of God bringing Moses and the Israelites up and out of Egypt. God is basically saying to them, there's going to be another Exodus. That's Ezekiel's message. Just as you were freed from the bonds of slavery in Egypt, you will be freed from the oppression of exile in Babylon. Okay, now we finish with verse 14. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. In the first part of this passage, the bones don't live until the Spirit of God comes into them. I made a really big deal about that. And that's the case with God's promises to Israel here too. The Spirit of God must live within the people of Israel for them to truly live and for them to be restored to their land. We have to live in such a way so that the Spirit of God is as close as our next breath. When we live in ways that are out of rhythm with this that's when things can get all messed up. That's part of the message that God wants to give to the Israelites, is for them to recognize that they need to fully rely on God rather than trusting in their own abilities or understanding. The Israelites thought they were as good as dead. They thought that there was no hope at all, but God says the dry bones can live. Israel can be restored. There is hope for the future. We must look at things with God's eyes, not ours. God's ability to do the impossible should be our vision, should be our hope. And I know hope was our theme last week, wasn't it? But hope and peace are often intertwined, aren't they? I think it's very interesting how they're connected because a sense of hope can fill you with a sense of peace. I'm sure the Israelites, when they heard this prophecy from Ezekiel, they were not feeling hopeful or peaceful prior to it. But then as they received this hopeful message, that peace from God that passes all human understanding was falling upon them at that moment too. And here's the other thing. This whole resonance in the story about the breath of God. It's been shown that breathing can be an extremely peace-filled activity. When my kids get overwhelmed, we tell them to take three deep breaths, and we coach them and make sure that they take actual deep breaths. But that has an incredibly relaxing and calming effect. So when I think about the Sunday of Peace, I think about the breath of God, and I think about this story about how the breath of God is supposed to be the purpose of our life, is supposed to animate our life, and that that's where our hope is found. Another interesting piece, and I'm indebted to Rob Bell, who talks about this in one of his videos um, that he made a long time back, um, 
but Rob's an author and a speaker now. He was a pastor for a long time. But he talks about how the Hebrew word for God is Yahweh. And yet what a lot of rabbis have come to notice and recognize is that this term, this, this word Yahweh is very similar to the sound of human breath. Yahweh. Yahweh. And so Hebrew scholars talk about how this word actually is remarkably similar. And they conclude that to be truly alive, you, you can't be truly alive without saying the name of God. To be alive is to acknowledge God just through our breathing. And I find that so powerful, right? That even at times when we might have doubts about God or, or not feel well connected with God, we're still saying the name of God with each breath that we take. There's been a renewed focus on meditation and breath exercises recently, and, and people have found the incredible health benefits of just breathing. And, and like I said, with my kids, it's a way for them to calm down. And so I'd say that when we connect and focus on the name of God, it changes us. It improves our spiritual and our physical health. When we focus on that breath... It can calm us, can fill us with peace like nothing else. So I invite you to do that during this second week of Advent. When things might not be particularly peaceful, take a moment now and then, five minutes, ten minutes, and just focus on your breathing. Breathe slowly and fully and know that each breath is you speaking the name of God and that God is present and that God can bring hope to any difficult, hopeless-seeming situation. I hope that can fill you with peace this week. All right, everyone, that concludes our week two study for Advent on the theme of peace. Join me next week for a week of joy. I'm Pastor Nate with the Together for Good podcast. Thanks for listening. This week and always, stay in peace.